I guess uh, Secretary Slater will let you start off and we'll go from there. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having us here today. Uh, just for the record, good afternoon. My name is Greg Slater, Secretary, Maryland Department of Transportation. Uh, thank you for inviting us here today to provide an overview of our draft six-year consolidated transportation program. Uh, covers fiscal years 21 to 26. Uh, in an effort to practice social distancing, protect you uh, and your uh, county and our team, uh, we're holding these CTP tours virtually for the first time. Uh, and you can follow along at ctp.maryland.gov uh, and view the current CTP. First thing I want to do is introduce the team that we have here today with us. Uh, our newly appointed State Highway Administrator, Tim Smith, uh, along with our District Engineer, Kenny Fender, uh, from the Maryland Transportation Authority, we have Executive Director Jim Ports. From the Maryland Transit Administration, we have Local Transit Support Director Travis Johnson. From the Motor Vehicle Administration, we have Administrator Chrissy Neiser. And from the Maryland Aviation Administration, we have Executive Director Ricky Smith and Regional Aviation Assistance Director Ashish Salanki. Also joining us from the Secretary's Office is our Regional Planners, uh, Dan Janicek and Ian Bean and our Director of Government Affairs, Jeff Tozzi, as well as our State Legislative Officer, Laura Helm. I can tell you that I have worked with all of these individuals over the course of my 20 years, uh, and, uh, and they are as good as they come. We have a great team. Uh, over the, I'm very familiar with this uh, CTP tour process, uh, being more than 20 years at MDOT, talking through highway projects at these fall meetings, I remember doing my first tour meeting uh, back as the SH, new SHA planning director in 2008. So I have a lot of history over the years on these projects. Uh, we've worked together on things. I've collaborated on things. We've fought for some of the same things together and we've gotten some things done together. So many of the priorities in the local jurisdictions like yours I've worked on from the beginning. And I believe it gives me a pretty unique perspective uh, coming into this position. But today I'm humbled to be uh, for the first time addressing you uh, as secretary in these historically challenging uh, times. Uh, while I certainly never envisioned serving as transportation secretary during a financial and health crisis, uh, the experience has only reiterated for me the crucial role that transportation plays in our daily lives. Our transportation network has been critical in keeping the supply chain moving and getting those essential employees uh, to work during this pandemic situation. But from day one, our goal was to protect our employees and our customers. Uh, we continue to work hard to keep people moving and safe across our transportation network. This draft CTP will be key in how we navigate uh, through our reduced revenues and make critical investments uh, that will be at the core of rebuilding our economy. This draft CTP is also a direct result of drastic reductions in revenue uh, during this pandemic. Let me walk you through some of the numbers. Comparing 2020 to the same week in 2019, uh, the second week of April during the peak of the stay-at-home order, travel was down at an all-time low, while the first week of October is starting, starting to show some of those returning trends. Our highway traffic volumes were down 52% in April versus 14% now. Our truck volumes were down 27% in April versus 11% now. Our toll transactions were down 57% at the peak versus 19% now. Our BWI Marshall passenger uh, traffic, airport traffic was down 95% at the peak, and now we're down 65%. All of our transit was down 70% uh, versus 57% now. 
But at the Port of Baltimore, our monthly containers were only down 17% that critical supply chain in May versus 0.02 up in September. And we are hopeful that October will be an even better month, giving us some really good economic indicators. But despite the challenges during this pandemic, uh, more than 10,000 MDOT employees and our private sector partners continue to deliver every day outstanding customer service, but providing some great efforts along the way. Some of the key accomplishments uh, that we were able to deliver during the pandemic, one you are all familiar with was completing the Bay Bridge westbound uh, deck rehabilitation project much faster than we anticipated uh, by using some innovative techniques, but uh, warm temperatures and less traffic gave us a lot of opportunity to really deliver that early. We developed temporary shuttles for hospital workers We supplied logistical support throughout the Maryland Department of Health for delivery of medical equipment, PPE, and testing equipment. We continue to conduct commercial driver's license testing uh, in all of our branches at the MVA to support that economic importance. Uh, We cut the ribbon on on a new interchange at Watkinsville Road, Montgomery County, uh, in Montgomery County, Maryland 2-4 in Calvert County, and a Maryland 180 project in Frederick County. And we started construction on the ever-important nice Middleton Bridge. But while the numbers are starting to come back across the transportation network, our current six-year program really estimates transportation trust fund revenue declines across the board from reduced gas tax to titling revenues as well as operating revenues across the department. So this budget reflects some pretty tough decisions we've had to make in every transportation business unit across the entire state. Every department took a hit in the six-year capital budget and it's FY21 operating budget with a total of $1.9 billion in capital cuts and $98 million in operating cuts that we will feel statewide. Every single cut we made weighed heavily on us as we focused on keeping Maryland's transportation network moving in a safe way, both for our customers and for our employees. But what you're going to feel here on the Eastern Shore are things like uh, longer grass and mowing cycles, those types of things, impacts to our system preservation program that we are very much prioritizing our recovery. But at the same time, our our vision for transportation hasn't changed. Uh, The parameters around us have changed. So earlier this year, uh, when I came in as secretary, I laid out some real key priorities. And those are still the same. We wanna continue to deliver these big infrastructure projects that we've laid out as a signature part of our program. We wanna prioritize system preservation and state of good repair, and building intelligence across our systems. We want to provide safe and accessible mobility choices for all of our users, and we want to have a a sustainable, customer-focused transportation vision that incorporates roadway, transit, freight, air, and port infrastructure, and this vision will be the foundation uh, for the development and evaluation program for the CTPs in the future, but it's going to take time. Our program models are looking at two years of recovery economically through this crisis, uh, where we looked at the beginning of that in FY21 was really about assessing what was coming at us and and adjusting where we needed to 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 limit the the impact. FY22, which is really the first part of the CTP that you're seeing now, is about recovering and starting to plan uh, for that recovery uh, stabilization. And then FY23 is about completing that recovery and stabilizing the trust fund across all the years of the program. You know, stabilizing that system preservation funding across the program to really show what we can do. But this $13.4 billion draft capital budget 
a $2.2 billion operating budget, focused on preserving what we have, but planning for the future at the same time, and building what we can to play our part in Maryland's economic recovery. But the bottom line is this budget is really tough and painful. We're looking for some help. We can't do it alone. While we're doing our best to do what we can with what we have, these drastic declines in revenue were painful, and we're continuing to work with our partners in the federal delegation and fight for some critical federal dollars to keep our workforce moving as we build. We're working together with our partners at every level of government to try and maximize every dollar that we can, but we can move our vision for Maryland transportation forward working together. Before I turn it over, I just want to be remiss to say that we've been working hard with our federal delegation. That first round of the CARES Act really did help us, but we do need some more help, and we're going to continue to advocate for that. Our federal delegation is really helping us advocate for that, and they're doing a great job as well. At this point, let me pause and turn it over to our modal administrators to update you on each of the agencies, starting with our newly appointed state highway administrator, Tim Smith. Thank you, Greg. Good afternoon, Queen Anne's County Commissioners. As the Secretary said, I'm Tim Smith. It's an honor to be here, and actually a very much a privilege to lead the SHA team. I really feel like when MDOT and State Highway team is facing a significant or unexpected challenge, that's when we are at our best, whether that's a weather event, a winter storm, or a traffic incident on our roadway. And I really feel like the challenges we faced in 2020 proved that theory once again. So what we've been doing at State Highway is to progress some important projects, and we never stopped working. So a big part of that success is the caliber of our staff. And I know Queen Anne's County has some great State Highway members there in our local team in District 2, led by Ken Fender. So during this pandemic, our primary goal was to keep our customers and our employees safe while delivering on our core functions. So we advanced projects while practicing physical distancing, following proper health practices, meeting virtually like this, and using protective equipment. As the Secretary mentioned, when traffic dipped below 50%, our maintenance crew switched to alternating shifts to reduce the number of workers we had in one location at any given time. That allowed us to keep them safe, but also continue maintenance activities going. Once traffic came back and reached closer to expected volumes, basically early July for us, our maintenance staff returned full-time, added health protocols. For our construction efforts, fewer vehicles on the roadway meant we could expand some of the lane closures without impacting our customers. So that allowed us to speed up the pace of a few projects and make better progress. As Secretary mentioned, the statewide budget impacts were impactful, and those obviously affected State Highway as well. But we stayed committed to continuing on our construction activities and making safety a priority on our roadways. So that resulted in some projects being delayed in the planning and design phases to later years. And as we concentrated our available operational resources on safety and mobility, that has resulted in fewer mowing cycles and litter pickup, and we've definitely heard that from our customers. But the good part about supporting an active construction program is we've been able to deliver some great projects. And just a couple examples here in Queen Anne's County is much earlier this year, maybe like back in December, State Highway completed almost a $10 million project on the two key bridges there in Centerville on 213, as well as we completed some of the resurfacing inventory. So we did roughly $1.2 million on 213 and finished that up in July. And additionally, State Highway is bringing some sidewalks up to ADA standards, both on Maryland 300 and Maryland 313 there in Sudlersville. 
and we're expected to have that complete this fall. So as I talk about construction in order to kind of also talk about some of our some of our efforts, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't talk about work zone safety and some move over laws. Uh, and the reason I bring that up is whether we had a lot of traffic or a little bit of traffic, we still had a lot of folks kind of entering into our work zones. So we've had equipment, even members of our own team struck while uh, assisting disabled vehicles and performing construction and maintenance activities. And a really bad case happened back in July when we had one of our contractor partners had a, an employee struck and lost her life. So I'm just requesting your support as, as we continue to kind of educate everyone and to protect our workers so they can return home safely each night and we can continue to deliver great projects. So just in closing, as Greg mentioned earlier, uh, we're actively working to plan and stabilize our financial futures here at State Highway. And really that means building a shelf of projects in three main areas, and that's asset management, accessibility, and mobility. And with asset management, that's really using system preservation uh, thoughts and ideas to, to think long-term about our day-to-day -day decisions. It also means to seek the best return on our investment for transportation infrastructure for the next generation. Accessibility is has a big safety component to it, but it's more about consideration of all users to our system. So whether that's bike, pedestrian, scooter, vehicles, they all need appropriate access to our life's opportunities on our roadways. We really feel like the context guide that we've developed will, will change the way we deliver projects and a Vision Zero philosophy will aid in making our roadways safer for everyone. Mobility is really about taking advantage of technology so, and, and using some data-driven systems to kind of improve the efficiency of our existing footprint. So we're looking at ways we can use data, smart devices, and technology to be more efficient in the projects we deliver in the future. So thank you for your time, and now I'll introduce my MDOT teammate at uh, Transportation Authority, Jim Ports. You out there, Jim? Jim's muted at the moment. Okay. I was trying to unmute, but apparently the host muted me, so I couldn't control it. But uh, sorry about the video. We don't have the, uh, the capability here on our, our work computer. I usually can video in on the phone, but uh, on Teams, but I guess Zoom doesn't allow that uh, to occur. So... With that, um, I would say thank you, and, and just like SHA, MDTA maintained operations, completed Bay Bridge projects and advanced elder initiatives during COVID-19. With the reduced revenue, we changed some of our, op our operations and delayed some of our work, which I'll get into in a few minutes. But as you know, we went all electronic, cashless tolling statewide since March 17th due to uh, COVID and to limit contact for the traveling public as well as our toll collectors. After closing in March, we reopened the EasyPass customer service centers on June 15th with limited capacity and safety precautions in place. And uh, key MDTA accomplishments during COVID-19, we completed the work to reopen the Bay Bridge westbound right lane, which I'm sure you're very well aware of installed new tolling gantry and delivered full-time all-electronic tolling in advance of the summer goal. We advanced other major projects such as I-95 Bridge Project in Baltimore and the new Nice Middleton Bridge in Southern Maryland. 
We also work to develop our Drive Easy MD toll modernization. We, have, uh, we plan on having new payment options, pay by plate, and early uh, payment notice of toll due discount. We expect to have a new website that will go live later this year or the very beginning of next year. We reduced our civil penalties from $50 to $25 for toll violations and additional features such as new vehicle toll classifications with lower toll rates will roll out in phases once the new tolling system goes live. The um, reductions that I mentioned to the MDTA uh, budget due to COVID-19 means some of our projects will be deferred. For example, I-95 Express Toll Lanes project deferred by one year. Cash flows for the Knights Middleton Bridge replacement reduced in the draft FY 2021 through FY 2026 CTP, the one we're talking about now. Uh, quite frankly, due to COVID, we were able to uh, work a lot quicker on that project and completed more work in FY 2020 than we originally forecasted. So although we made these adjustments in the CTP, the overall cost of the project has not changed. Of course, with that, we preserved many projects. Um, Bay Bridge Crossing Tier 1 NEPA study, for example. Uh, we anticipate Tier 1 draft environmental impact statement and identifying MDTA's recommended preferred corridor alternative in the fall of 2020. And we will be holding public hearings in early 2021. Tier 1 final environmental impact statement, uh, record of decision, is scheduled for 2021. And of course, you can always visit baycrossingstudy.com for more information. Bay Bridge ongoing uh, and future work. Uh, as you know, we have the westbound redeck rehabilitation, the center and left lanes. Work includes deck ceiling, uh, steel railing replacement, and deck joint repairs and replacements. Uh, steel plates placed in the center and left lanes. Also replacing the overhead signal gantries on the westbound span and we're expected completion in 2021. The uh, Bay Bridge crossover automated lane closure system, uh, which we've referred to several times. We have a new system that will allow maintenance crews to implement and discontinue the two-way traffic operations at the bridge more safely and quickly. The uh, project work such as con, uh, condo flooring and installation has begun on the Eastern Shore automated lane closure system. The automated lane closure system includes in-pavement lighting, automated uh, gates, dynamic message signs, and the overhead lane use signals. In the fall of 2022, when 2A or lane closures on either bridge are in place, travelers will begin to transition to using the new lane closure system with gates, dynamic message signs, etc., as they get on and off the bridge on the eastern shore. The existing cone and barrel system will remain in place on the western shore. And in 2023, travelers will begin to transition to the new lane closure system on the western shore, and the cone and barrel system will no longer be used on either side of the Bay Bridge. The uh, Western Shore Automated 
lane closure system will be constructed under a separate contract with notice to proceed uh, expected, we hope, in the summer of 2021. Contract for the award, the eastbound deck uh, rehabilitation contract, award for design and engineering and other pre-construction services is expected in October of 2020. And of course, um, we do have our MDTA campaigns, one that I mentioned, Drive Easy Maryland, uh, Maryland's new home for all things tolling, and the Bay Bridge Summer Travel Safety Campaign. With that, I'll thank you again, and I'll now turn it over to Travis Johnston at MTA. Thank you, Jim. And everyone. Uh, I'd like to first start off by thanking Maynard Nash and his staff for their continued partnership and patience working through these trying times. MDOT MTA operates local bus and commuter bus network, light rail link, metro subway link, marked train service, a mobility paratransit system, and supports the locally operated transit system statewide. COVID-19 resulted in a major decline in Marylanders' use of transportation services across the state. As the Secretary mentioned, the second week of April, during the peak of the stay-at-home order, all transit was down at an all-time low, while the first week of October shows the latest return trends. Specifically for commuter bus, we were down to about 95% and are now currently at 87%. So we are starting to improve. Key MDOT MTA accomplishments during COVID-19. In response to the COVID-19 pandemic, Queen Anne's County will receive $1 million in Federal CARES Act funds to support the operations and or capital needs of County Ride. Reductions Sorry, reductions to the Transportation Trust Fund due to COVID-19 means transit operations need to be cut back. MDOT MTA made difficult service level decisions and announced strategic reductions in commuter bus service to meet reductions in the fiscal year 2021 operating budget. All commuter bus routes will now be operating on an S schedule service with the following two exceptions. The two exceptions are the first for Route uh, 201, service from Gaithersburg to BWI Marshall Airport, will operate only the odd number trips on both the weekday and weekend and holiday schedules. Also, Route 320, service from Columbia to Baltimore, will operate regular service. In comparing 2019 to 2020, average daily commuter bus boardings decreased from 14,188 to 1,650 in August and from 14,475 to 1,927 in September. For 2020, those totals reflect September 1st through September 24th. Commuter bus average riders per trip. For Baltimore area routes, uh, the decrease was from about 14 passengers to six. 
Washington, Washington area routes decreased from 24 to 2, while the ICC routes decreased from 16 to 2. These temporary reductions allow us to preserve our contracts with commuter bus providers. This plan also allows us to respond nimbly as Maryland's economy recovers and more choice riders cease teleworking or return to transit. Due to the sharp decline in transportation revenues, state matching funds for local transit projects are not available in this year's CTP. However, MDOT MTA will continue to coordinate closely with local transit operators to discuss the availability of local matching funds and to apply CARES funds and any other available federal funding to support critical local transit needs. And lastly, I would like to just hit on our key initiative that we are currently undertaking, and that is our 50-year statewide transit plan. We look forward to working with Queen Anne's County and other stakeholders across the state to develop this long-term vision and framework for coordinated transit service here in Maryland. And with that, I thank you for your time, and I will now turn it over to Chrissy Neiser at MVA. Thank you. Thanks, Travis, and good afternoon, everyone. It's a pleasure to be with you today. At MBA, even during this challenging time, our focus has continued to be on providing that premier customer service. Despite the fact that our branch offices had to shut down for several months, uh, our employees were still hard at work making sure that um, MBA business that was sent to us either by mail or was done online was able to be processed and completed and sent to the customer. Um, during that time, we established an email address and a phone number for our commercial drivers and other emergency responders to make sure we were keeping that critical supply chain moving. We also opened several branch offices at least one day a week to complete CDL tests as well as to do some other emergency services. And we even worked with our large employers to send our mobile bus there to enable folks to complete uh, the knowledge test that's required for commercial license. Um, we also, for the first time, added the ability for commercial drivers to complete transactions online. So they can now do a duplicate license, a corrected license, um, or even renew their license if they're eligible online, which is a great convenience. During the COVID-19 closure, we actually processed over 740,000 transactions. So it shows how hard our employees continue to work. We're also proud of the partnership we had with other state agencies, uh, Maryland Department of Health, the state police, M.SHA, as well as the local health departments, to turn our vehicle emission stations into locations where um, our customers and Maryland residents could get their COVID testing done. We did reopen 17 branch offices on June 8th, and that's by appointment only and obviously at a reduced capacity. The remaining branch offices opened on July 20th, and so now we have all of our uh, branch offices open, and again, that remains by appointment only uh, at a limited capacity for everybody's safety. Um, several safety measures that you'll notice when you come to visit us are that you'll have several screening questions that we'll ask before you enter the facility. We'll also do a temporal screening um, to make sure you're safe to enter. Uh, you'll find plexiglass dividing you from the customer, um, the customer facing areas to keep our employee as well as the customer safe. Social distancing stickers inside and outside the branch office. 
Um, and we also did some work on our key program areas. So we worked with our driving schools to allow driver education for the first time to be done remotely. It was normally done in person in a classroom setting that's now being done remotely for those um, young students needing to get their license. We also modified the um, driver skills test to allow that to be done completely on an MBA course. Um, the examiner is outside of the vehicle, again, keeping that safe distance for them and the applicant taking their test. We also rolled out a new tool recently called the First Stop. We're calling it that because we want to encourage customers to check online to see what services may be available first before they think about making that appointment to come to a branch office. The great thing about this new service is it's personalized to each and every resident of Maryland. So you enter your driver's license information or your vehicle information, depending on what you're trying to do. And it brings back exactly what services um, you can do online. It provides that link right to those services and hopefully it makes it more convenient and more accessible for all the residents of Maryland. We also deployed uh, in early July our new Customer Connect IT system. Uh, this first phase uh, covers our vehicle system, our business licensing system, and our motor carrier system. Um, we're really proud that this uh, modernization will allow us to deliver services even more conveniently to Maryland residents. There's a few new things that we offer online as a result of this deployment, including insurance information can now be updated not only by the insurance company, but also by you as the customer at any time. Um, you can also send us documentation if you have an insurance case, or you can pay that insurance violation right online. Also, if you need to get a disability plate or a disability placard, all that can be done remotely without coming to a branch office. You can start the application. Your physician can sign off on the required information, and then we'll go ahead and mail that out to you once approved. So a uh, great convenience there. As well as for um, one of the more complicated transactions, which is when you're purchasing a vehicle um, from a private, from an individual, and you need to get that titled and registered. Um, it's one of our longer transactions. It can be a little complicated. And so we have a new pre-application process to walk you through that. It'll explain the documents you need, even give you an approximate idea of what the fees might be. Um, and then you bring that documentation to the branch office. We'll scan that in. It'll pre-populate all that information, making your transaction much quicker. So all this is obviously about making it more efficient, hopefully getting, um, allowing folks to do things from home who can conveniently and safely, and then for those who do come in, making sure that we get you in and out as quickly as possible. As Secretary Slater mentioned, the decrease in revenue impacted all the business units, and for MDOT MBA, that meant deferring some of our smaller IT projects, as well as deferring some of our branch uh, enhancements and improvements that we were scheduled to make. We are really excited to announce that phase two of Customer Connect is continuing to move forward and we appreciate that as a priority. Um, that second phase will deploy in December of 2021 and will cover our driver licensing system. So at that point, we will have that complete view of all of our customer facing systems, allow customers to do even more transactions online. Um, and it will also uh, enable us to have a much more secure and modernized IT system. Uh, one of the other major initiatives that we've been working on is Real ID. Um, so I'm happy to say that the federal government did postpone that deadline as requested by Governor Hogan um, to October 1 of 2021. Um, that delay means that Marylanders um, in many cases can wait until they have to come in for their regular renewal cycle. Um, that helps about 300,000 Marylanders. So again, making that a little bit more convenient for them. 
I'm also pretty proud to announce that Maryland has over a 70% compliance rate with Real ID. Um, that compares to a nationwide rate of 38% that was just announced last month by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. So Maryland's doing really well in that regard. We also continue to be focused on highway safety and working with our federal, state, and local partners to reduce fatalities on our roadways. Um, Governor Hogan recently announced about $5,000 in grants for the Queen Anne's County Sheriff's Office to address highway safety. Um, our Highway Safety Office also announced this month the Be the Driver campaign, which is really about what each and every one of us can do to save lives on our roadways um, and take responsibility behind the wheel. Um, we're also in the process of working on the next version of our Strategic Highway Safety Plan that will cover 2021 through 2025. The implementation of this plan will be based on our Vision Zero, which is the goal um, to reach zero fatalities by 2030. Um, we also are excited that Queen Anne's County um, continues to make strides uh, with your Strategic Highway Safety Plan. It's something we've definitely encouraged in terms of local jurisdictions, knowing um, that that's something that the needs at a local level are, are different from the statewide level, and it's great to have that focus. I know there's been some initial planning meetings, and we stand uh, ready to assist you and help you in whatever way we can. So we really try to be the best we can, whether it's through customer service or highway safety, and we couldn't do any of that without of our employees. And I just want to take a moment to really um, give a lot of credit and praise to our great, hardworking M.MBA employees who throughout this very challenging time have continued to deliver great services to Maryland residents, really being on the front line and very selfless in, in terms of making sure that Maryland has everything that they need to keep moving forward. So. Thank you for your time, and now I'm going to turn it over to Ricky Smith, Executive Director of Maryland Aviation Administration. Thank you very much, Chrissy. It's always good to see you. And um, good afternoon, Commissioners. It's um, a pleasure to be able to speak with you and provide you an update on what's going on with the Maryland Aviation Administration. Like airports across the nation, BWI Thurgood Marshall Airport has seen reduced passenger and traffic activity um, and airline activity um, since early spring. While passenger traffic remained well below a typical summer, BWI Marshall has experienced some improving numbers in the recent weeks. April was the low point for passenger traffic, with passenger traffic dropping 96%. But we did see some airline and passenger traffic return over the summer. For July, BWI passenger traffic was 51% of the entire Washington area market. For the second straight month, the total at BWI Marshall was more than Reagan National and Dulles combined. <clears throat> For the Labor Day weekend, TSA performed 15,125 screenings in just one day at the security checkpoints. This was the highest count in nearly six months. The aviation industry expects at least two to three years before we regain pre-COVID levels. Although BWR Marshall remains well positioned for when the industry begins its true recovery, BWR Marshall continues to see increasing cargo activity, which is a bright spot throughout this pandemic. Amazon Prime um, occupying a new 200,000 square foot um, freight, aviation freight facility is leading the charge and propelling our freight activities to record-setting levels. I must acknowledge uh, the work that our um, employees of MAA and the airport community 
have done over this period. Um, I've never been prouder of a group of employees than I am now. I mean, they're showing the level of resilience and professionalism and and carriage and, and, and simply dedication to our customers and their coworkers during these trying times that no one could ask to do more. And so again, I just want to make sure that I publicly state um, how proud I am to be a part of the family. We continue to utilize enhanced cleaning and sanitation procedures to help ensure a safe, healthy airport for customers and employees. The airport, the TSA, our airline partners install protective shields at document checking stations, ticket counters, and information desks throughout the BWI and Martin State Airport term- terminals, as well as our rental car facility. We provide hand sanitizer stations throughout those facilities as well. Passengers and employees are required to wear face coverings or masks when in those facilities per a mandate from an executive order passed by Governor Hogan a few months ago. We acted swiftly in the spring to provide rent relief to airlines and concessions in order to maintain customer amenities and jobs. We really recognize the role that our tenant partners play in this ecosystem that we call an airport. And we understand that if the airport is going to serve our passenger base well, we have to have a healthy set of airport partners. And so we went as far as we could to try and mitigate some of the revenue loss that our tenants are experiencing as um, a result of this this virus. Um, And we are being held out in the industry as a model of airports um, working with our tenant partners to kind of get through this this situation. Um, And so we are proud of that. Um, Currently, about 52% of our uh, food and retail concessions are open to serve travelers. And again, this is a testament to the relief that we were able to provide them. The Federal CARES Act allocated $87 million to help fund BWI Marshall and Martin State Airport operations, helping to offset revenue losses. Moving on to um, the Transportation Trust Fund, the draft CTP reflects a temporary pause on some major work for BWI Marshall, primarily related to the expansive Concourse AB connector and baggage handling system project. That construction work was originally planned to start during the summer. However, it was slowed while the industry continues to recover. This large-scale project will support further domestic and international growth for Southwest Airlines, the largest airline partner at BWI Marshall and our hub carrier. This project will be largely funded by airport revenue bonds, um, which are being paused until the market for these bonds has stabilized. To spend a couple minutes on um, projects that we were able to preserve, a number of these key projects that we were able to preserve in the CTP are related to safety. These are projects that are important work in the near term to address safety-related needs. MAA will continue to support and foster aviation across Maryland by working with our 35 public use airports in the state. For fiscal year 21, MAA intends to provide $2.35 million in state support to regional airports across Maryland. Bay Bridge Airport, for example, will receive $189,000 in state aviation grant assistance for design work to support much needed runway rehabilitation. 
And I always want to take this opportunity to thank Secretary Slater um, for committing to aviation across the state. These funds come out of the Transportation Secretary's budget, and so we're always pleased when he demonstrates his appreciation for the role of aviation in the state of Maryland. There are several airfield projects at BWI that will move forward, including a major reconstruction of Taxiway T, which is primarily, um, which is the primary aircraft circulation route around the terminal. This project will be fully funded by the federal government with more than $11 million in CARES Act funds. The five-gate extension of Concourse A is nearing completion. Our work is basically done. However, three new food and retail concessionaires are continuing to build out their operations. We continue to work with the FAA on the extensive environmental assessment process for the next phase of improvements at BWI Marshall and Martin State Airport. We're finalizing the design process for a major terminal restroom renovation program, and we expect to begin construction in early 2021. Um, I always take the opportunity to say there, when we do customer surveys, um, the top two response items we get in terms of customer preference or importance, Starbucks and restaurants. And so we always want to make sure that our customers have both of those and that they are in good shape. Um, this um, program also includes replacement snow removal equipment and airfield vehicles um, as we need those to uh, ensure our response to the emergencies um, during the snow season. So we know that this global airline and passenger traffic will rebound. It always does, as in the past, and it will this time as well. And we know that that's the case across MDOT and all of its modes. And so along with the rest of the team, we're working to be prepared when the industry recovers. That being said, I'll turn it back over to Secretary Slater. Greg, you're up. Thank you, Ricky, and thanks to the whole team for, for all the updates. Uh, uh, let me first thank you uh, for the opportunity to discuss our six-year budget. Uh, now I'd like to turn the meeting back over to uh, Commission President Moran. Uh, we're happy to answer any questions that you may have. Who would like to start? Anybody have any points they want to? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, I notice in here, and I noticed that over the past couple years, that uh, when it comes to the NEPA, uh, phase two is what we're calling phase two, once phase one's done, is not funded anywhere in here. And I know we've had discussions about possibly, and, and we will do our due diligence and a little bit of research uh, as far as westbound tolling and dynamic tolling on Sundays to uh, hopefully get that push through to fund the uh, second NEPA because without it, it sounds like with this financial crunch we're in, we're going to get through the f first NEPA and we're going to come to a screeching halt. Well, I mean, certainly this year is uh, is a year where we just really don't have anything new with the program. You know, we were just trying to deal with the, the impacts across the board. Uh, then next year we'll start to get into really understanding what more of the recovery is. Um, but also in the final CTP, we seem to be learning more and more each week and every month. So as we work through this and, and so, you know, as we work through the priorities and if we have opportunities to put some things back in the program uh, that are coming as, as we get to the close here, our priorities are, are really two things. First and foremost, system preservation and making sure that we're making that program whole. But second, uh, looking at, at opportunities to, to 
rebuild the DME program, but I think we do still have some work to do in, in tier one. Well, and I know that, like I said, we've had discussions at the BRAG right. about the uh, steel plates uh, and, and the rehabilitation of those uh, control slash expansion joints. And we totally understand that. And it's just interesting that in your own data, you have uh, traffic down as of October, only 19%. And we still had two massive uh, backups out of three weeks of 10 miles. And we know we're going to face that next year. And we know that these joints need to get done. Just anything we can do to expedite the, that uh, process, you know, Queen Anne's County will, will definitely support that. And, uh, you know, just in the future, if we could just have a little more dialogue when it comes to anything that's going to disrupt traffic flow uh, sure. westbound, and specifically on Sundays, that, you know, at least get a little bit of input from us because, again, you know, I, I think that uh, it, it, it bodes well for you and, and for us and our, our constituents that uh, at least we have some sort of uh, dialogue when it comes to these uh, projects that will impact uh, traffic flow. And I guess really the last thing I have is, is uh, I understand it. So if I got this straight, the gates on the eastern shore will go live in the fall of 2022. And on the western shore, moving eastbound, the, uh, the fall of 2023. Is that correct? Let me let Jim confirm that two ports. But I, I was across the bridge today, and I think by my count, there were only two sets of those steel plates left to, to finish up. So that should be coming to a close soon, too. But Jim, do you have the dates in front of you for the gate system? Yeah. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, sure. Yes, those are the correct dates as of right now. Um, as we mentioned the other day in the brag meeting, uh, we're looking to try and expedite the, the second gate system. And uh, to do that, we have to have an emergency contract, which has to be approved by the BPW. And as I mentioned, I signed that that. Uh, emergency measure, but we first have to go through the BPW and then we have to award the contract. So what we're doing is we're basically reducing uh, a significant amount of time based on the procurement process itself. Uh, the construction process is still going to take a while, especially since we have to get rid of some of the toll uh, curbing and stuff like that from the previous toll gates. So are those dates correct then the, the for operational fall of 22 and fall of 23? Is that within five months either way? So that those are the dates that we have anticipated. Okay. Yes. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, as you know, uh, due to weather and other yeah. conditions, things sometimes change. But those are our best uh, estimates at this time. Very good. Thank you. Anybody else have any uh, questions or comments? I mean, I think the CTP plans for us has been pretty much the same projects for since I've been commissioner for five years. So, right. Yes. We, and I, yes, that's, <laughs> we understand that. That's for sure. Same. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, that's really all. Todd, do you have anything you want to? Yeah, I'll just say I want to thank uh, Secretary Slater and all his modal administrators for making time today to, to brief uh, the county commissioners, Queen Anne County citizens. And we do have a a priority letter we send each year to to the secretary to to mr slater and uh, a lot of those projects as, as uh, commissioner wilson mentioned have been there for a number of years and we understand you know the situation currently with uh, funding shortfalls in the covid 19 pandemic and as we 
work towards recovery. I think we all want to see some of these things, you know, move forward as, as best they can. You know, they would include things like, um, you know, additional uh, safety improvements on the 301 corridor, you know, at grade crossings. Um, those are very, very dangerous. The, um, you know, the, um, the J-turns have worked very well, I think, where they've been installed. Um, we want to look, continue to look at the Route 50 corridor. I think our priority there was uh, another interchange at um, design and interchange at uh, Chesapeake College, 213 and 50. And uh, those are the big ones. The other one, um, we want to continue to get support, and we're trying to get that pedestrian crossing to connect our two pedestrian trails, the South County Trail and our Cross Island Trail across Route 50 somewhere in the, uh, in the Kent Island area. So that's, that's a big priority for us to try to help with uh, alternative transportation modes. Um, all that in addition to, you know, helping uh, manage traffic better along the 50 corridor in the summertime. We know that's a big priority for us here um, and reducing congestion uh, on Route 50 at the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. Oh, and also, Jim, uh, as far as that uh, priority emergency, uh, uh, I guess, for the, for the uh, eastbound... eastbound uh, 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 Gates, uh, Queen Anne's County would be happy to put our names uh, on that letter uh, in support of that. Great. Well, as you know, we asked the uh, BRAG members right. uh, to put something together themselves. Mm -hmm. um, we'll be happy to support some of that, but, but it's helpful um, coming from the county and BRAG and other, other organizations, whoever may want to weigh in, especially if it's emergency management, um, Obviously, it's safety for our employees. It wouldn't have to put out the codes. It's safety for the traveling public. Obviously, those are obvious. And, of course, for emergency management equipment, as well as local communities, being able to keep people on the highway for longer periods of time. So all those things can be reflected, plus any others that you may think of. And we'd be happy to uh, have you submit that to the BPW. That would be very much appreciated. Very well. Uh, anything else? Very good. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity, and uh, have a great day. You too. Thank you. All right. Thank you. See you guys. Already. You good? Who's Ricky Smith? Oh. We want going to recess. I guess we can go into recess now. That's all we had for yep. uh, for the work session today. We so we'll go back into recess until five thirty. We have a closed session scheduled at 5. Right. And regular meeting starts at 5.30. So be it. Thank you. Thank you.